the fantasy football bee. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and I cannot believe that the person who dropped a dime on the Red Sox for stealing signs against the Yankees was Eric Mangini. Who knew? I'm Jeff Dooley, also surprised by that. Just very <laughs> thankful Breaking news. to finally have some live football to watch. Well, we got a busy day today, gents. Ezekiel Elliott's suspension was upheld Tuesday night, and he's going to play in week one, and perhaps even longer than that. The Bucks and Dolphins are going to start the season with a bye week. And most importantly, tonight we will get together with a bunch of scallywags, ne'er-do-wells, and otherwise cutthroats for the Washington Post Fantasy Football Draft. Yeah, one last draft. I am psyched about that. But first, it's time for the big idea. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tear. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. All right, fellas. The big idea for this week is this. Do not wait until after week one to scoop up those hot waiver wire targets. Go ahead and do so now. Take these final days before the season, uh, especially in, uh, in leagues where maybe you have two quarterbacks, two tight ends. Go ahead and sort of trim those guys. Those, those sort of players are going to be available later. If you see a guy at the running back position or the wide receiver position that you think uh, is going to have a big week one and all of a sudden going to you know, shoot to the top of the waiver wire recommendations, go ahead and get him on your team now uh, and, and boost the depth of your rosters. The thing I think is interesting about this is it applies to both deep leagues and relatively shallow leagues. Because if, if you're in a shallow league, let's say a 10-team league, the cost of cutting somebody and adding somebody on the waiver wire is is relatively small because the waiver wire's already got some really good talent on it. And if you're in a deep league, those last couple guys on your roster, they're probably not that exciting anyway. So why not just cut bait on them early, take a chance on some of these more enticing picks who we're about to talk about in a second, and benefit in that way? Yeah, and, and I think a lot of fantasy players who are maybe a little bit more casual, not the super active nerds that we are, um, tend to think of... You know that you draft your team and then you just kind of sit tight until the season starts. So you don't think of maybe doing waiver moves until after right. week one. And maybe you feel like, well, I need to see how, how things shake out. I need to see how players perform. Well, in some cases, the smarter move is to try to anticipate things that happen. Look at the bottom of your bench. Maybe you made some late round picks who aren't panning out too well or you don't feel super confident about. And yeah, maybe there's a smart move to be made, to be made now and get ahead of the curve. There could be some real values, especially if, say, if you drafted a couple weeks ago. Like, yeah. You know, I, I drafted in a league this week. Uh, you mentioned we've got another one coming up with the Washington Post League. Um, so, so those might be a little bit different, but there's definitely some values to be found. I, you know, I was looking at ownership rates on ESPN earlier today. Uh, you know, there's some guys in there. You know, Kendall Wright of the Bears, we talked about him on, on one of the previous podcasts. One of the few um, receivers left standing. Yeah, in Chicago, I mean, he, he could get a lot of targets. He's only owned in 12% of leagues right now, even though his name is being thrown around a bit. You know, he's a guy, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes for, you know, 80 yards in his first game or more, um, gets targeted a ton. Uh, so he's a guy, a couple other names, uh, Travis Benjamin and San, uh, sorry, <laughs> San Diego, and Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, so easy yeah. to do. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty with that receiving core. He could have a huge first week, uh, uh, you know, had a big preseason 
uh, Kenny Galladay in, in Detroit. So there, there's a lot of guys who I think you, you might want to do your research now, see if there's a high upside person you can add. Uh, maybe, you know, if you've got a little more depth in another position, let somebody go. Two of the guys that I'm really interested in, and I've already added one of them in, w- in one of my deeper leagues, uh, Wendell Smallwood in Philadelphia. Yep. He might end up being the primary back in that offense. Darren Sproles, for as much as they love him, is really s- still going to be rele- relegated, I think, to that third down pass catching back. And LeGarrette Blount has done nothing to impress anyone so far. So unless they're just sort of g- looking to justify the deal they gave him in the offseason, which I don't think they would, then Wendell Smallwood has a legitimate shot of being a primary back and you have a chance right now in a lot of leagues to get him off the waiver wire before anyone else can snap him up. And there are, there are some fancy players out there who might have uh, even more reason to want to hit the waiver wire. Isn't that right, Mike? Indeed. Indeed. Those who are dealing with the fallout from Hurricane Irma. So we, we caveat this and preface this by saying, like, obviously fantasy football pales in comparison to what the state of Florida and uh, some of the Caribbean nations are about to face uh, in, in the form of this uh, national natural disaster. Absolutely. But uh, that said, there are implications that do trickle down to the fantasy football world. And in this case, it's the postponement of the Bucks and Dolphins Week 1 contest. Now... They will play during their bye week in Week 11, so those stats will count towards that Week 11 matchup in terms of fantasy. And you suddenly have players on your roster in a lot of instances that you need to replace. Des, what's your advice as to how owners should proceed in that regard? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a weird situation because obviously, you know, you, you have the uncertainty with Ezekiel Elliott, but at least you knew going into your drafts there would be some uncertainty and there was sort of an obvious play to be made in terms of drafting Darren McFadden or at least drafting some other guys in your team. And now all of a sudden, it look, Zeke's going to play week one, and then we have all these other guys who are not going to play week one, including a couple of uh, one player in Jaquiz Rogers yeah. that I think some Ezekiel Elliott owners took, assuming, okay, he'll help me bridge to that point where I get Zeke back. Now you got Zeke, no Rogers. You know, I'm in a league where I own Jay Ajayi and Doug Martin. So that's kind of a problem. Like, I I, I assumed I would have, you know, I knew that Martin would be out a while. I don't have Rodgers, but I've got some other guys that are going to fill in. But I figured, okay, Jay Ajayi will be playing. Now, you know, as long as I'm doing all right by week 11, all of a sudden I'll have a a boon to my fantasy squad. But, yeah, in the meantime, I think fantasy owners who may be uh, over a barrel a little bit here, maybe, you know, we're playing, yeah, maybe the Martin owner who has Rodgers all of a sudden realizes, uh uh-oh, I don't have another running back. Um, some names that we already were thinking about in terms of waiver fodder. I, I want to I go past some of the most obvious names that have been mentioned already on waiver wire articles all over the place. Some players who are a little further down maybe on the waiver rankings that I think might pop out in week one and could give you that kind of out-of-nowhere performance include Tariq Cohen of the Bears. He's a running back. He's a fourth-round pick at a North Carolina A&T. Uh, kind of a smaller guy, but shifty. Really could have a, a much bigger role in that passing game than I think a lot of uh, Jordan Howard owners mm-hmm. would like. And you're talking about a game against the Atlanta Falcons, so it could be very high scoring. The Bears, tempo, could, yeah. In, potentially the Bears could fall behind and all of a sudden need to throw the ball. And Cohen could actually, uh, he's a compliment to Howard. He's Like I said, he's a smaller guy. Uh, uh, Howard actually led all NFL running backs in drop passes last season with eight. So you know, it's entirely possible. And, and Cohen, meanwhile, impressed a heck of a lot during training camp. And he didn't play very much in the week three preseason game, whereas Jeremy Langford did. And considering that the Bears then cut Jeremy Langford, that indicates that maybe they wanted to save uh, Cohen's health a little bit for that game. Another player I like who could be sort of a boom or bust possibility, let's say you have Mike Evans or Jarvis Landry, one of the wide receivers who's not going to play in week one, and you just want to throw a dart out there on, on a possibility of a big play, Marquise Goodwin of the 49ers. He's, he's a big play guy in, in, in personified. I mean, he's a, he's a world-class sprinter. He's the number two Olympian. wide receiver. 
He's exactly. Yeah. He's the number. He's probably the, he could be the fastest guy in the NFL, but may, give or take John Ross, yeah. who's who's injured right now anyway. Uh, but he's the number two. He's locked up the starting spot on the 49ers as the number two wide receiver. He could play that Taylor Gabriel role in Mike Shanahan's op, or Kyle Shanahan's offense, and we saw how good that was for Gabriel in spurts. So obviously, yeah. you can't expect volume from Goodwin. But if you just want to take a chance on a guy who could very well score a long touchdown, maybe catch three three passes for 85 yards, Goodwin could be your guy. First of all, let's pour one out for Jeremy Langford, a fantasy bust <laughs> of a generation. Uh, uh, second of all, hopefully nobody uh, nobody has Jay Cutler as their starting fantasy quarterback God in forbid. leagues. If you are, your name yeah. better be Kristen Cavallari and you're married to Jay. <laughs> um, but you might have Jameis Winston as the only quarterback on your roster and Indeed. not anticipating him being out week one. Yeah, that's the biggest impact to me as far as this game goes. I think so. I mean, I, you know, I was sort of... Well, I think look, not having a Jai is kind of a problem, but, but I agree. You only, if you only have one quarterback and it's Right, Winston, you can backfill for a Jai. Hopefully I mean, in yeah. week one, you've got, <laughs> you've got at least two right. running backs you feel okay with right. uh, running out there as a starter. Not as good as a Jai, but still. Uh, it's a couple of possible uh, QB streamers, uh, guys who might be available in your league that I like for this week. Uh, Carson Palmer of the Cardinals at the Lions, a very suspect Detroit pass defense. Eli Manning at the Cowboys. I actually drafted him as a second quarterback in one of my leagues. Uh, but th- that Dallas pass defense has a lot to prove, a lot of question marks. Rookies uh, at the cornerback position. Yep. And don't hate me for this, Jared Goff versus oh the my Colts. Goodness. I actually like that. Playing the Goff card. Come on now. I mean, I don't like Goff. Right. Don't get me wrong. It is it is a good spot against the Colts. But the Colts D is terrible, and Vontae Davis is out. They're starting right. cornerback. Right, and, and there's a lot of unknowns there, right? Goff could have a really miserable season, but the, pretty the, much the like pre, last season. The preseason was more promising for him than than certainly the last one was. So uh, he's if <laughs> if you're in a league where you're really up a creek. Uh, he might be a possible uh, possible fill-in for Winston. I'm, I'm surprised one name you didn't mention was Sam Bradford. I mean, he was going as sort of the 24th or 25th That's quarterback true. off the board. Nobody's excited about Sam Bradford, but he's in a really good spot. They're playing the Saints in Week 1. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they've never been able to stop anybody. You know the Vikings are going to have to put up some points. And, you know, it's been the, and the point has been sort of made elsewhere, I think most recently by, by Rich Rebar of Roto-World, who did a who predicted actually great things for Sam Bradford, kind of one of his, his bold predictions. And he points out, you know, if, if we're taking Dalvin Cook as, as a mid-range RB2, we're, we're taking Stephon Diggs as a mid-range wide receiver two, maybe lower-end wide receiver two. We like Adam Thielen. He's in the slot, going to catch a lot of passes. We love Kyle Rudolph. Who doesn't? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, it just means that, you know, there's a pretty good supporting cast there in Minnesota. And just because they were super conservative throwing the ball last year doesn't necessarily mean they, they'll be the exact same kind of offense this year. I mean, Bradford only got there like a day before the season started or so, and he still submitted the most accurate performance in NFL history, not necessarily throwing the ball deep a lot, but this is a quarterback who is completely, who is very accurate. Maybe they have questions about the offensive line, but he's got a very good supporting cast in year two. And this is, un- this is a quarterback who also rarely gets to spend a second year with the same offensive coordinator. So that's an that's a nice thing they have there with Pat Shermer, who took over from Norv Turner, I think, last season. I'm just saying, like, if you're if you're in a tough spot, I I, I would, and I, I think Palmer probably has got got drafted in a lot of leagues as a QB too. But Bradford may well still be out there in a lot of leagues. Hey, and looping back on the running backs, one last name uh, out in Seattle, Chris Carson. Des mentioned him a couple weeks ago, I think, in terms of the uncertainty around Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls and C.J. Procise, the perpetually injured C.J. Procise, and the perpetually injured Thomas Rawls, <laughs> the, for that matter. The currently injured Thomas Rawls. Yes. Eddie Lacy ain't exactly healthy. <laughs> well, exactly. So, I mean, Chris Carson yeah. could have a real opportunity, and if he breaks out and seizes the job week one, this is your one chance to get him. And a lot of leagues... Waivers might have already run on Tuesday. You could have open r- waivers, which means you can just go and grab a guy right now. And if you're going to go out and get Chris Carson to replace a guy like Jay Ajay, who suddenly has a bye week, that could be a smart move because I think the stock is way up on Chris Carson. 
Stock watch. Stock watch. Week one is at hand. Des, who's up and who's down? Well, up, I've got Darren Sproles. We talked about the Eagles running back situation earlier. It's a completely murky. Wendell Smallwood, you know, looked on, he was like, like he was on the roster bubble at the starting training camp. Now he might be the starter there. LeGarrette Blunt might be on the outs. Um, Donald Prumphrey is sort of hanging around as a rookie. It seems like the one thing we can be fairly sure of is Darren Sproles will have a big role with this offense. Yeah. You know, he's 34, no spring chicken, but not the, not the most tread in his tires, given that he's always been sort of a complimentary back and uh, n- hasn't necessarily taken huge hits since he doesn't run up the middle a whole lot. But he's an exceptionally talented player. He might actually retire after the season, but who knows? That could be all the more reason for the Eagles to give him as much as work as possible. But it does seem like they have a big role planned for him, and not necessarily just as a pass catcher. Like, he, he, might, he might lead, the, I'd say he's actually the best bet to lead that team in running back touches mm-hmm. overall. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, Smallwood is a guy I drafted at the end of one of my drafts recently. Uh, it just feels like maybe there's a little bit more upside with a younger player, um, you know, a guy who's a draft pick there. But I, I do think Sproles, you know, those those receiving backs, um, you know, Theo Riddick, as an example, those guys always tend to fall uh, under the radar. Danny Woodhead sometimes. So, uh, you know, Sproles is a guy uh, definitely worth looking at. Very high floor in a PPR league. Who else on the uptick? Well, obviously there were a lot of cuts over the, uh, this past weekend and some kind of surprising ones. Some guys fell by the wayside that we weren't expecting it to. I don't know if it was a huge surprise that the Cardinals cut David Johnson, but uh, I'm sorry, Whoa. Chris Jones. <laughs> that is news. <laughs> that, would be, that would be a big surprise. If David Johnson is available uh, in your league right now. <laughs> okay, Go let's try that again. Up. Chris Johnson. Ah. Chris Johnson, the veteran uh, running back, not David Johnson. We, he was supposed to be the handcuff for David Johnson, but they cut him. So who does that leave? Kerwin Williams. Kind of a smaller guy, but then again, so is Andre Ellington, and those are the two players uh, sort of left on the, on the death chart behind David Johnson. So Kerwin-Williams moves up to be probably not the ideal handcuff. I mean, I don't think if David Johnson went down, Kerwin-Williams would get 30 touches a game and, and go crazy, but he, is an, he would be the next man up as things stand now. Another handcuff who merged the forefront is Matt Breida from the 49ers. They cut Tim Hightower, and they sent highly regarded rookie, or at some point highly regarded rookie, Joe Williams, to uh, injured reserve. So Brita takes over there as the number two to Carlos Hyde. We know that Carlos Hyde has had injuries on more than a few occasions. Uh, Brita is actually an undrafted free agent, but he had the highest uh, spark score. That's an overall measure of um, athletic ability. And he ran 439 um, in the 40, and he had a 42 inch vertical leap of, uh, oh, sorry, he had a yeah, 42 inch vertical leap, which is pretty huge, especially for a guy who's 5'9. So anyway, yeah. he's an athletic marvel, and he's the number two in the 49ers. So if you have Carlos Hyde, you know, we were talking about may- maybe making a smart waiver move. Maybe you want to add him as a handcuff, Matt Frida. Just, just generally speaking, we've got a couple teams who are predicted to do really, really poorly this year the Browns, oh, yeah. the Niners, oh, yeah. the Jets, the Bills. There's some hidden fantasy gems in there if you're sort of willing to sift through. Uh, some of the nothingness, because there's going to be targets, yeah. there's going to be carries to go around right, for those right. guys. And, and the Niners are could be kind of a sneaky team. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, everyone you know, holds him the highest regard as an offensive mind. He's running the show there. Uh, Brian Hoyer, a quarterback, you know, not a terrible guy. I mean, believe it or not, like in the past two seasons. Like as a person or <laughs> yeah, a yeah, Exactly. Most people think he's a, he's a jerk, but I think he's a great guy. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, not a terrible quarterback. I have no idea what kind of a human being he is. I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure Probably he's lovely. pretty good. Gives yeah. the charities. I mean, he had, that, he had that insane implosion with the Texans in the playoffs apart from that he's actually been pretty he's his problem is just staying on the field but I think as long as he's on the field the Niners could have a surprisingly decent offense I mentioned Marquise Goodwin earlier um but let's you know speaking of guys who we are down on let's go to we talked about the Colts briefly you still think Hilton's going to have you know the the most targets on the team maybe I mean it's so hard to say with with Scott Tolzien there but Andrew Luck is obviously not going to play in week one so that's going to impact Hilton Moncrief Frank Gore 
Maybe Jack Doyle. It's hard to say. Like, like Tolzien. Jack Doyle is immune. Yeah, Jack, Jack Doyle fears no quarterback <laughs> absence. Yeah, but, I think you're right, Des, because the, the the big uh, the differentiating factor for Hilton against uh, some other guys is uh, his abilities as a deep pass catcher. Yeah. Presumably, Scott Tolzien is not going to be airing out the way Aaron Andrew Luck does as one of the best deep ball throwers in the game. So Very I think you're presumably. right. He's probably still you know he's probably still a fantasy wide receiver one, going to be the lead target getter there, but. You know the the deep threat, the big playability is lessened without yeah. luck in the lineup. I think Hilton's a wide receiver too in in overall terms this week for sure, like mm-hmm. l- lower end wide receiver too probably. But I, I think if you have you, you you probably still have to trot him out there just on the basis of his own talent. I mean, there's a reason why you know he he got the most targets in, for the Colts anyway. He's for a, sure, he's an excellent wide receiver. I don't think you can bench him even with Scott Tolzien HOF uh, taking the field for week one. <laughs> right, Ma- Dante Moncrief another issue though. I mean, and he's he's the opposite. Like his he staked his reputation on catching touchdowns. Well, who knows how often the, red, the Colts will be in the red zone, even against, you know, against a pretty good Rams defense overall. All right, another player I have stocked down is Alan Hearns of the Jaguars. You know, just based on sort of reputation, he, he his stock was up at some point. Well, yeah, how low can you go? He this? was the wide receiver eighteen in PPR leagues in twenty fifteen. People wow. forget that. Yes, that is right. So wow. that's why I'm mentioning him because uh, based on a couple of years ago, I think people saw people thought of the Jags as having this a uh, tandem, not just Allen Robinson, right. but the two Allens, Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. Uh, but Hearns kind of fell off a cliff last year, as did the entire Jags offense, of course. And this year, he's not even a, not even close to being a starter. I think Marquise Lee has taken over that role uh, opposite Allen Robinson. And Lee, actually, I think is kind of a nifty little pickup in his own right. Um, he came on pretty strong last year, and he finished as the wide receiver 42 in PPR. I'm just So if for whatever reason you were thinking about drafting Allen Hearns or you had him on your team based on past reputation, I would say drop him. Uh, the Jags apparently even tried to trade him. Um, so my last guy who stocked down, Jonathan Williams. We, you know, we talked about some of the cuts that took place over the weekend. This might have been the biggest surprise of all because he was supposed to be the handcuff for LaShawn McCoy, and it's not like it's not like the Bills had anything else there at running back. I mean, right. I mean, supposedly Mike Tolbert is the, is the backup now to LaShawn McCoy. So it's a very odd situation. There may have been stuff going on behind the scenes. We don't know. But Jonathan Williams was one of my favorite late-round picks as a flyer. You know, one of the last few picks you make, if LaShawn McCoy went down, I thought he was in a great spot. He showed exactly. a lot of talent, I thought, in the preseason. So what happened was uh, the whole league must have had the book on him, though, because he got cut and no one picked him up right away. He, he went through waivers. He spent two days unemployed, and he now got signed for the Broncos practice squad. So <laughs> definitely don't yeah. have Jonathan Williams don't, on your team. But you, right. keep an eye week one who emerges as the number two uh, running back in the Bills' offense because, and especially in deeper leagues, that's a valuable handcuff to LaShawn McCoy, not a perfect injury history of his own. Right. I mean, and that's, that's a waiver move. Like, like Williams, Jonathan Williams might have gotten drafted in some leagues. He certainly, certainly, I drafted him on at least one team, and, and I've subsequently replaced him. So, you know, just keep an eye out there. Also, he may reemerge, though, so it's just another murky facet to the Broncos running back situation. We already had, there was already a little bit... They w- definitely needed another yeah. questionable running back in that backfield. <laughs> exactly. So we'll have to keep an eye on that as well going forward. Value pick. Earlier, Jeff alluded to sort of sifting through the rubble of some of these really terrible NFL situations like the Jets, Browns, Niners. There could be some value there, and it looks like in the Meadowlands, you guys have found a a couple of reasons to be optimistic, actually. Yeah, I mean, I I like Matt Forte this week. I mean, if we're talking about week one, um, he was was hamstrung with a hamstring injury uh, through much of training camp, but apparently he's healthy. I think the Jets were definitely giving him all the rest he needed. It's not like they need to see him out there playing with the team. They know what they have in Matt Forte. He could, like, this is all very hypothetical, but he could have 
a bigger role than I think a lot of people are realizing. I think it's a little early. Now, it may turn out that Bilal Powell will be the number one guy there, the unquestioned lead back, get the, be dominant in the touches. That, that may be how it plays out, but I'm not sure we necessarily know that or even, even have a strong reason to think that. I mean, they shared the job last year. Bilal Powell came on strong after Matt Forte was injured, but with a healthy Matt Forte, especially to start the season, I think there's a decent chance he gets quite a number of touches in what should be an extremely conservative Jets offense. They're at the road at Buffalo. That figures to be a low-scoring game without a lot of downfield throwing. I could see the Jets giving both their running backs quite a number of touches there and Forte having sort of a a surprisingly useful game. But, uh, Jeff, I know you like Powell as a flex play this week, right? I think he's definitely in the, in the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a guy who I ended up I, I ended up passing up on him uh, in a recent draft, and I regretted it after the fact because I do think there's a lot of value to him. Everyone's, you know, he, he's a Jet, so everyone's nervous about him. Uh, you know, the no drafting Jets uh, philosophy is not the worst thing in the world, but uh, I do think there's some value there. I, I do have a confession to make, though, guys, because I fell off the wagon in a recent draft. Does it involve Uh-oh. Sammy Watkins? I drafted Sammy Watkins. No! Yes. Now, fifth yes. round, so I Join feel us. okay about the value. Uh, but do you I, really? I like him this season, and I definitely like him this week uh, against the Colts. Vontae Davis unable to go due to injury. That's already a suspect Colts pass defense. I'm going to give this Rams offense a chance. I think if it's even... You know, league average quarterback play from Jared Goff. I think Todd Gurley is a viable fantasy asset, and I think Sammy yes. Watkins is as well. And, if, and there's an upside there that you weren't going to get with a lot of fifth round picks. If, if we're talking week one, I think, I think it's a great spot. This. It's a good spot. I mean, the, the Colts, they have a terrible defense. And like I said, Vontae Davis is out. I mean, this is a good spot. Jared Goff's confidence hasn't been crushed yet. He should be feeling good about himself coming to the yeah. start of a new season. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I think Gurley could go, could go off in this game. One other name from that game that you might want to keep in mind and also definitely qualifying as a value pick is Connor Cup. A lot of buzz around him as a rookie. Or, or Cooper Cup. Co- Cooper Cup. No, I'm talking about Connor Cup. Baby. <laughs> wow. There is super value there. Yeah, yes, that Cooper is a sleeper. Cup. Cooper Cup. It's been a long day already. Uh, but, yes, looking to be more of the possession receiver type. Jared Goff, if, if Sean McVay is looking to keep him out of harm's way with a, a bunch of short routes, Cup could be the beneficiary there. Could be a good play. Fire beware. 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 Week one, an important time to get off on the right foot in traditional leagues. Jeff, you got two quarterbacks that might not help owners right off the bat. Yeah, these are a couple of guys, you know, if they're if they're your only quarterback, you're gonna you're gonna play them. Um, but they were sort of going in the end of the QB1 range. Kirk Cousins, who's playing the Eagles this week, and then Dak Prescott of the Cowboys, who's playing the Giants. Uh, with, with Cousins, the preseason, did uh, we didn't get a lot of answers out of the new-look Redskins offense. I do think eventually they'll figure it out, but I'm not confident for Week 1. And I think that Eagles pass rush is one of the better ones in the league. And then you talk about Prescott, talk about a, a rough Week 1 uh, opponent in the Giants defense, one of the best in the NFL last season. They, they should Reborn. be really, really good again. And we sort of talked about Prescott as a possible fantasy regression candidate, namely because of his rushing touchdowns. He had six last year. It's really hard to replicate that as mm-hmm. a quarterback. So I think and with, week, and, one, week one, a tough matchup. And with and with, with Ezekiel Elliott playing in that game, Zach Dak probably won't have be called upon to do quite as much as he might otherwise. Yeah, and, I, think, and, I think that's that, yeah, that's a really good point. That's very fair. Des, you have a big name that's probably less of a concern in traditional fantasy leagues, but could be a guy you're going to want to stay away from in your daily lineups. Yeah, I mean, I think Devontae Freeman might be in store for a not-so-great game. I mean, obviously, if you drafted him, you probably took him in the first round, you're going to play him, Mm -hmm. just maybe temper your expectations a bit for a huge game. The Falcons are at the Chicago 
Um, the one thing the Bears have is a fairly stout front seven, and I think they could limit the rushing attack a little bit. Obviously, Freeman gets a lot of his points through the air, but you know, it's an, it's an outdoor game played on grass. It's not exactly suited to what the Falcons do best. You know, the, and there are question marks about the Falcons a little bit. I mean, we're talking about Week One. There's just a, there's a tiny shade of uncertainty hanging over this team. Uh, mostly in the form of having a new offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, came out of the college ranks, has pretty much no NFL background at all. He's promised to do all the same things that Kyle Shanahan did, but you know who knows how that'll play out exactly. Tevin Coleman may have a bigger role. I mean, we've we've been we thought sort of thought that would happen last year. It kind yeah. of didn't because Freeman was so effective. But it's the start of a new season. Uh, you know, so there are there are just these, and of course there's the Super Bowl hangover. Who knows? Maybe Freeman's <laughs> the one guy in the Falcons who just can't get over it, and he's down on the dumps. Uh, Th- this is where Chris Harris <laughs> uh, descends from the heavens and says, "Crutch argument." <laughs> yes. at all of us. But, I, but I totally agree. Yeah. Like, there's something to that, and and we've seen it happen over and over. Panthers certainly a year ago sort of struggled in the early going, and and a lot of their offensive weapons as well. Yeah, oh. I mean, as Mike, as Mike said, uh, this is more probably more of a daily fantasy thing. I wouldn't I wouldn't go grab Freeman in DFS because I I think there are other, there are better values out there. But obviously, if you have them in your lineups, play them, but maybe just don't expect a, a huge outing like you might get if they're at home. What to watch for. Well, in terms of where you should be paying attention for the rest of this week and through week one, I think it's pretty obvious. It starts with the courtroom in Texas, because that is going to decide how long Ezekiel Elliott will be suspended for if at all. He will play in week one against the New York Giants, but if the judge finds in his favor, this could get drawn out all year long as they deliberate over whether or not the NFL has the right to punish him for six games. And as that plays out, he will be available. So if you drafted Ezekiel Elliott early in a lot of drafts, or even got him late, better yet, this could have a huge payoff for you. It also has implications for Darren McFadden owners, because obviously if Elliott is playing, McFadden goes down. So pay attention Friday night to the verdict in Texas, and also pay attention to the Sunday night game, because you're going to want to see how successful either of those guys are, particularly McFadden, running behind that offensive line against a very, very good Giants defensive front. Yeah, I, t- I talked about uh, Devontae Freeman as a buyer beware guy, just just a, uh, a running back one who may not be set up for the biggest game of the season potentially, and I think the same could be said for Elliott. I mean, I think the Cowboys will use him as much as possible, anticipating uh, the six-game suspension, although, as you said, definitely we have to see what the— And if, they'll know if, by then, though. If they, so. Yeah, if they get the uh, temporary restraining order or not. Uh, but the Giants are no joke. I mean, Elliott had two of his worst games last season against that stout run defense, so he may be set up for not his finest outing either of the season. All right, so besides the Cowboys, Des, where are you going to be paying attention? Well, we've talked about the Bengals running back situation previously on the podcast, and uh, let's just talk about it again quickly because it's something I will be watching like a hawk, not just because I'm a Joe Mixon owner in the league I most want to win, although largely because of that. But I, I think, I think it, you know, in, in the whole That's group so insulting of, to your other leagues. It really <laughs> just, I think, I think there's still some skepticism about Jeremy Hill, like, is he really just the starter in name only? He's going to start the game. He's listed atop the depth chart. But is that just sort of a deference to the veteran sort of thing? Marvin Lewis, kind of an old school guy, longtime head coach. Is it really just a case where Hill will start the game, maybe get four or five carries, and then they'll just turn it over to Mixon? Also, you know, how good is Giovanni Bernard going to look? He certainly came back pretty well from his ACL tear. Mm-hmm. But is he at full strength and how big a role does he have? Does he does he? Every time they're in a passing situation, is he on the field? Maybe not Mixon, certainly not Hill. So I, I think there's a lot that needs to be sorted out from this, and it could really impact 
our view of Mixon's value going forward. If he's clearly gets the lion's share of the work there and is clearly the top guy, even if he's not the starter, then I think we consider him like a fringe RB1. But, mm -hmm. you know, it could turn out a lot worse for him than that. And this is already a tough task against a Ravens team. So we won't, I don't think we'll get all our answers, but we begin to find out what to expect from these players. Right. And it, it might have been an extreme case, but in a recent draft I did, both Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard barely got drafted. I mean, yeah. there might be some leagues where they're available. Bernard's particularly interesting to me because, like, there's the assumption that Mixon has that pass-catching quality, but it could very well be that Gio Bernard, I mean, he has the trust of that coaching staff. He could be, in PPR leagues, a real asset as a, as a pass-catching back, regardless of en who ends up getting right. the majority of the carry. So keep an eye on him. He might be a, sort of a value add. Uh, my what to watch for for this week, I'm going to be watching uh, Green Bay. They're playing against Seattle, so obviously a very tough opponent, especially against the run. Uh, but what's the situation with Ty Montgomery? Is Jamal Williams a guy you want to target, the rookie at a BYU? He's, yep. he's gone drafted at the very end of drafts, and he's also available in a lot of leagues. Uh, I don't think we know for sure yet. Ty Montgomery, very, very tempting. I've sort of hyped him up on this podcast. We don't know he's the true number one running back there. Um, and there could be room for another another back in that offense to, to end up being a fantasy producer. Now, I think McCarthy did say that he is the de facto number one. But what's that really mean when coaches say, say that anyway? It, all they're doing is really paying homage to the, to the player. And then if cer certain situations arise, like you could lose that job 10 carries into the game. Jam right. Jamal Williams might. He, you know, you can say this about any number of players, I suppose, but he really could turn out to be one of the steals of the drafts. Like you said, he was a very late-round pick in most drafts, could have a much bigger role than people anticipate, could be their guy near the goal line, could, could turn into their early down back, and, may, and maybe Ty Montgomery reverts kind of to that third-down passing role situation that, that we, I think we anticipated for him early, or last year. So, yeah, and, and, and as with the uh, Bengals against the Ravens, we may not get all our answers this week because that's going to be a tough test against the Seahawks. Absolutely. Well, it all plays into the excitement of week one and the entire season ahead, and we hope you spend it with us. So remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever fine fantasy football podcasts can be found. Check out all of our fantasy football content on thewashingtonpost.com and give us a shout on Twitter. I'm at Mike Hume Post. I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening. See ya! See ya!